Welcome to the Queen of Awakening podcast, where you can learn how to leverage your energy for thriving relationships, better vitality, and more prosperity, hosted by Jesse Cole. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode one, and my name is Jesse Cole. In the future, I'll be having guests, but today I wanted to cover the book Power Versus Force. I am fascinated by this book. It really covers the energy levels very succinctly. The problem is it was written by somebody that's enlightened, so it's kind of difficult to bring it down to the level for normal people to understand. The language is pretty um, college level, so I'm going to try and do the best that I can to make it easily interpreted for everybody. I want to start by doing some history on it because... I feel like it's good to know where we came from. So Power Versus Force was written by David Hawkins. And there was twenty there were twenty years of research that went into this book. So in nineteen seventy one a study was published on muscle testing. There is a chiropractor named George Goodhart that discovered that the strength or weakness of every muscle was connected to the health or pathology of a specific corresponding body organ. Each muscle also was associated with an acupuncture meridian. And then kinesthesiology, which is muscle testing, showed that muscles became weak when exposed to harmful stimuli. Therapeutic substances instantly made muscles go strong. So this is a method that is used by holistic practitioners. It's also used by emotion code practitioners, which is a holistic way to do it. And I just got certified to be an emotion code practitioner and that helps you find and release trapped emotions in your body when you have an event in your life that is so overwhelming that your body can't process it. So that's a really neat practice that I'm able to do now. So muscle testing is a quick, simple, and easy to perform test, and the results are repeatable. And that's important because you want to be able to get consistent results with whatever you're doing. In the early 1970s, medical and psychiatric doctors didn't see how the food we eat and the thoughts that we think impact our bodies. So we've really come a long way, haven't we? The body also goes weak in response to unhealthy emotional attitudes or ongoing mental stress. When the researchers used the muscle testing practice, they would use a declarative statement. They would have two people and you can use an arm and hold your arm out and say, for instance, you can say love, 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 and that would make your body strong. Or you can say hate, 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 and it doesn't matter if you resist. It makes your muscles weak and you cannot keep your arm up. It's a really neat technique that you can use to sort out the energy flow within your body because we're all energetic beings now. A baseline is formed by finding the negative and positive, as I just described. 
The scale of consciousness is on a scale of 1 to 1,000. The researchers had random people test books, organizations, and so on. Organically grown food would make people go strong, while a food that had pesticides applied to it would make them go weak. So that's where organic is good to eat. Wanted to throw that little bit of information in there for you. A logarithmic scale was used to calibrate the power of the energy of attitudes, thoughts, feelings, and relationships. Test subjects were asked about the value of physical existence all the way to enlightenment. For example, the questions that were asked in a declarative statement, they would say, if being alive is at a one, then love is over 200, over 300. And then from there, you narrow it down. I use this in emotion code. So if you go to 400 and they say no, then you go 310, 320, 330, 340, 350, 370. Oh, not 370. Okay, 361, 62. And that's how you narrow it down numerically. Kind of simplifies the process. The goal of the study was to generate a map of energy fields of consciousness. The map of consciousness correlate with emotions, perception, and attitudes. Now, you can see the map of human consciousness here. And I'm going to go through and read a little bit about each one of the energy level so that you have a good understanding of each one. So at energy level of 20, there's shame. The level of shame is perilously proximate to death, which may be chosen out of shame as conscious suicide or more subtly elected by failure to take steps to prolong life. We all have some awareness of the pain of losing face, becoming discredited, or feeling like a non-person. In shame, we hang our heads and slink away, wishing we were invisible. Banishment is a traditional accomplishment of shame, and in the primitive societies from which we all originate, banishment is equivalent to death. Early life experiences that lead to shame, such as sexual abuse, warp the personality for a lifetime unless these issues are resolved by therapy. It can lead to low self-esteem and make one prone to the development of physical illness. The shame-based personality is shy, withdrawn, and introverted. Shame is used as a tool of cruelty, and its victims often become cruel themselves. Shamed children can become brutal to animals and each other. The behavior of people whose consciousness is only in the 20s is dangerous. They can have paranoia, become psychotic, or commit bizarre crimes. Some shame-based individuals compensate with perfectionism and rigidity, becoming driven and intolerant. Examples are the moral extremists who form vigilante groups, 
projecting their own unconscious shame onto others, whom they then feel justified in righteously attacking. Shame results in a vulnerability to the other negative emotions. It can produce false pride, anger, and guilt. Energy level 30 is guilt. So commonly used in our society to manipulate and punish manifests itself in a variety of expressions such as remorse, self-recrimination, masochism, and the whole gamut of symptoms of victimhood. Unconscious guilt resolves in psychosomatic disease, accident proneness, and suicidal behaviors. Many people struggle with guilt their entire lives while others desperately attempt escape by denying it altogether. Guilt denomination results in a preoccupation with sin, an unforgiving emotional attitude frequently exploited by religious demagogues who use it for coercion, coercion and control. Subcultures displaying the aberration of self-flagellation often manifest other regional forms of cruelty. They can kill animals. Guilt provokes rage, and killing frequently is its expression. Capital punishment is an example of how killing gratifies a guilt-ridden populace. Our unforgiving American society, for instance, scorns its victims in the press and gives punishments that have never been demonstrated to have any corrective value. Moving up the scale is apathy at energy level 50. This level is characterized by poverty, despair, and hopelessness. The world and the future look bleak. Apathy is a state of helplessness. Its victims, needy in every way, lack not only resources, but the energy to avail themselves of what may be available. Unless external energy is supplied, supplied by caregivers, death through passive suicide can result. Without the will to live, the hopeless stare blankly, unresponsive to stimuli until their eyes stop tracking and there isn't enough energy left to even swallow food. This is the level of the homeless and the derelicts of society. It's also the fate of many of the aged and others who become isolated by chronic and progressive diseases. The apathetic are dependent. People in apathy are heavy and are felt as a burden by those around them. You can feel apathy without having this dramatic of emotions. Sometimes you get stuck in apathy and it's easier to overcome it if you're not mired in it. So keep that in mind, just to try to know these emotions and work your way out of them. Energy level 75, grief. We've all felt this at one time or another if we lose somebody, but getting stuck in it can keep you at the level of sadness, loss, and dependency. Most of us have experienced it for periods of time, but those who remain at this level live a life of constant regrets and depression. This is the level of mourning, bereavement, and remorse about the past. It's also the level of chronic gamblers who accept failure as part of their lifestyle, often resulting in loss of jobs, friends, family, and opportunity. 
as well as money and health. Major losses early in life make one vulnerable to passive acceptance of grief later on, as though sorrow were the price of life. In grief, one sees sadness everywhere, in little children, in life itself. This level colors one's entire vision of existence. Part of the syndrome of grief is the notion of the irreplaceability of what's been lost or that which is symbolized. There is a generalization so that the loss of a loved one is equated with the loss of love itself. At this level, such emotional losses may trigger a serious depression or death. So moving up the scale, if a traumatized, apathetic person starts crying, they're getting better. So if you are depressed, moving into anger is actually moving up the scale, and that's okay. Next, we're going into fear. That's energy level 100. At the level of 100, a lot more life energy is available. Fear of danger is healthy. Fear runs much of the world, spurring on endless activity. Fear of enemies, of old age, of death, of rejection, and a multitude of social fears are basic motivators in most people's lives. From the viewpoint of this level, the world looks hazardous, full of traps and threats. Fear is the favored official tool for control by totalitarian agencies. And insecurity is the stock and trade of major manipulators of the marketplace. The media and advertising play to fear to increase market shares. I haven't watched the news for 10 years. You might want to think about doing that. The proliferation of fears is as limitless as the human imagination. Once fear is one's focus, the endless worrisome events of the world feed it. Fear becomes obsessive and may take any form. Trepidation of losing a relationship leads to jealousy and a chronically high stress level. Fearful thinking can balloon into paranoia or generate neurotic defensive structures and, because it's contagious, become a dominant social trend. Fear limits growth of the personality and leads to inhibition. Because it takes energy to rise above fear, the oppressed are unable to reach a higher level unaided. The fearful seek strong leaders who appear to have conquered their own fears to lead them out of its slavery. Energy level 125, desire. Even more energy is available at this level. Desire motivates vast areas of human activity, including the economy. Advertisers play on our desire to program us with needs linked to instinctual drives. Desire moves us to expend great effort to achieve goals or obtain rewards. The desire for money, prestige, or power runs the lives of many of those who have risen above fear as their predominant life motif. Desire is also the level of addiction, wherein it becomes a craving more important than life itself. The victim of desire may actually be unaware of the basis of his motives. 
Some people become addicted to the hunger for attention and drive others away by their constant demands. The yearning for sexual approval has produced an entire cosmetics and fashion industry. Desire has to do with accumulation and greed, but desire is insatiable because it's an ongoing energy field. So the satisfaction of one itch is merely replaced by unsatisfied craving for something else. For instance, multimillionaires tend to remain obsessed with acquiring more and more money. Desire is obviously a much higher state than apathy or grief. For in order to get, you have to first have the energy to want. What can start us on the road to achievement? Desire can. So it can be a springboard to higher levels of awareness. Energy level 150, anger. Although anger may lead to homicide and war, as an energy level, it's much further removed from death than those below it. Anger can either lead to constructive or destructive action. As people move out of apathy and grief to overcome fear as a way of life, they begin to want. Desire leads to frustration, which in turn leads to anger. Thus, anger can be a fulcrum by which the oppressed are eventually catapulted to freedom. Fury over social injustice, victimization, and inequality has created great movements that lead to major changes in the structure of society. Anger expresses itself most often as resentment and revenge and is therefore volatile and dangerous. Anger as a lifestyle is exemplified by irritable, explosive people who are oversensitive to slights and become injustice collectors, quarrelsome, belligerous, and or like to litigate others. Since anger stems from frustrated wants, it's based on the energy field below it. Frustration results from exaggerating the importance of desires. The angry person may go into rage, just like a frustrated infant. Anger leads easily to hatred, which has an erosive effect on all areas of a person's life. Energy level 175 now, pride. Pride, which calibrates at 175, has enough energy to run the United States Marine Corps. It's the level aspired to by the majority of our kind today. In contrast to the lower energy fields, people feel positive as they reach this level. This rise in self-esteem is a balm to all the pain experienced at lower levels of consciousness. Pride looks good and knows it. It struts its stuff in the parade of life. Pride is far enough removed from shame, guilt, or fear that to rise, for instance, out of the despair of the ghetto of the self-respect of being a Marine is an enormous jump. Pride generally has a good reputation and is socially encouraged. Yet, as we see from the chart of the levels of consciousness, it's sufficiently negative to remain below the critical level of 200 this is why pride feels good only in contrast to the lower emotions. The problem, as we all know, is that pride goes before a fall. 
Pride is defensive and vulnerable because it's dependent upon external conditions, without which it can suddenly revert to a lower level. The inflated ego is vulnerable to attack. Pride remains weak because it can be knocked off its pedestal back to shame, which is the threat that fires the fear of loss and pride. Pride is divisive and gives rise to factionalism. The consequences are costly. Man has died for pride. Armies still regularly slaughter each other for that aspect of it called nationalism. Religious wars, political terrorism, and zealotry, the ghastly history of the Middle East and Central Europe, these are all the price of pride which all of society pays. The downside of pride is arrogance and denial. These characteristics block growth. In pride, recovery from addictions is impossible because emotional problems or character defects are denied. The whole problem of denial is one of pride. Thus, pride is a very sizable block to the acquisition of real power which displaces pride with true stature and prestige. Energy level 200, courage. At the level 200, power first appears. When we test subjects at all the energy levels below 200, we find, as can be readily verified, that all go weak. Everyone goes strong in response to the life-supportive fields above, above 200. This is the critical line that distinguishes the positive and negative influences of life. At the level of courage, an attainment of true power occurs. Therefore, it's also the level of empowerment. This is the zone of exploration, accomplishment, fortitude, and determination. At the lower levels, the world is seen as hopeless, sad, frightening, or frustrating. But at the level of courage, life is seen to be exciting, challenging, and stimulating. Courage implies the willingness to try new things and deal with the changes and challenges of life. At this level of empowerment, one is able to cope with and effectively handle the opportunities of life. At 200, for instance, the energy to learn new job skills is available. Growth and education become attainable goals. There is the capacity to face fears or character defects and to grow despite them. Anxiety also does not cripple endeavor as it would at lower stages of evolution. Obstacles that defeat people whose consciousness is below 200 act as stimulants to those who have evolved into the first level of true power. People at this level put back into the world as much energy as they take. At lower levels, populations as well as individuals drain energy from society without reciprocating. Because accomplishments result in positive feedback, Self-reward and esteem become progressively self-reinforcing. This is where productivity begins. Just as a side note, the collective 
level of consciousness of mankind remained at 190 for many centuries, and it only jumped to its current level of 207 within the last decade. I believe this book was written in 1987, so things are moving forward. It seems to be gradually moving up. Energy level 250, neutrality. Energy becomes very positive as we get to the level we have termed it neutrality because it's epitomized by release from the personality that's typical of lower levels. Below 250, consciousness tends to see dichotomies and take on rigid positions. So a dichotomy is seeing black and white, not being able to see the gray area of life. It's divided. Taking such positions creates polarization, which in turn creates opposition and division. As in the martial arts, a rigid position becomes a point of vulnerability. That which doesn't bend is liable to break. Rising above barriers or oppositions that dissipate one's energies, the neutral condition allows for flexibility and non-judgmental, realistic appraisal of problems. To be neutral means to be relatively unattached to outcomes. Not getting one's way is no longer experienced as defeating, frightening, or frustrating. At the neutral level, a person can say, well, if I don't get this job, then I'll get another. This is the beginning of inner confidence. Sensing one's power, one isn't easily intimidated or driven to prove anything. The expectation that life, with its ups and downs, will be basically okay if one can roll with the punches is a 250-level attitude. People of neutrality have a sense of well-being. The mark of this level is a confident capability to live in the now, in the world. This is the level of safety. People at this level are easy to get along with and safe to be around and associate with because they're not interested in conflict, competition, or guilt. They're comfortable and basically undisturbed emotionally. This attitude is non-judgmental and doesn't lead to any need to control other people's behaviors. Correspondingly, due to neutral people's value of freedom, they're difficult to control. A side note here, even if you hang out in neutrality often, you're going to have dips. Where you go into fear, where you go into discouragement, where you go into anger. And that's okay. We just don't want to spend a lot of time in these emotions. You want to feel them, process them, fully step into that emotion, and then release it and go back to neutrality. And then higher levels, of course. Energy level 310, willingness. This very positive level of energy may be seen as the gateway to the higher levels. For instance, at the neutral level, jobs are done adequately, but at the level of willingness, work is done well, and success in all endeavors is common. Growth is rapid here. These are people chosen for advancement. Willingness implies that one has overcome inner resistance to life and is committed to participation. Below the 200 calibration, people tend to be closed-minded, 
but by level 310, a great opening occurs. At this level, people become genuinely friendly, and social and economic success seem to follow automatically. The willing aren't troubled by unemployment. They'll take any job when they have to, or create a career or self-employment for themselves. They don't feel demeaned by service jobs or by starting at the bottom. They're helpful to others and contribute to the good of society. They're also willing to face inner issues and don't have major learning blocks. At this level, self-esteem is high and is reinforced by positive feedback from society in the forms of recognition, appreciation, and reward. Willingness is sympathetic and responsive to the needs of others. Willing people are builders of and contributors to society. With their capacity to bounce back from adversity and learn from experience, they tend to become self-correcting. Having let go of pride, they're willing to look at their defects and learn from others. At the level of willingness, people become excellent students. They're easily trainable and represent a considerable source of power for society. Energy level 350 is acceptance. At this level of awareness, a major transformation takes place. With the understanding that one is oneself, the source and creator of the experience of one's life. Taking such responsibility is distinctive of this degree of evolution, characterized by the capacity to live harmoniously with the forces of life. All people at levels below 200 tend to be powerless and see themselves as victims at the mercy of life. This stems from a belief that the source of one's happiness or the cause of one's problems is out there. An enormous jump, taking back one's own power, is completed at this level with the realization that the source of happiness is within oneself. At this more evolved stage, nothing out there has the capacity to make one happy and love isn't something that's given or taken away by another, but is created from within. This level is not to be confused with passivity, which is a symptom of apathy. Acceptance allows engagement in life on one's own terms, without trying to make it conform to an agenda. There's emotional calm with acceptance. And perception is widened as denial is transcended. One now sees things without distortion or misinterpretation. The context of experience is expanded so that one is capable of seeing the whole picture. Acceptance has to do essentially with balance, proportion, and appropriateness. The individual at the level of acceptance isn't interested in determining right or wrong, but instead is dedicated to resolving issues and finding out what to do about problems. Tough jobs don't cause discomfort or dismay. Long-term goals take precedence over short-term ones. Self-discipline and mastery are prominent. At the level of acceptance, we're not polarized by conflict or opposition. 
We see that other people have the same rights as we do, and we honor equally. Oh, we honor equality as well. <laughs> While lower levels are characterized by rigidity, at this level, social plurality begins to emerge as a form of resolution of problems. Therefore, this level is free of discrimination or intolerance. There's an awareness that equality doesn't exclude diversity. Acceptance includes rather than rejects. Energy level 400 is reason. Intelligence and rationality rise to the forefront when the emotionalism of the lower levels is transcended. Reason is capable of handling large, complex amounts of data and making rapid, correct decisions of understanding the intricacies of relationships, gradations, and fine distinctions. And expert manipulation of symbols as abstract concepts becomes increasingly important. This is the level of science, medicine, and of generally increased capacity to conceptualize and comprehend. Knowledge and education are here sought as capital. Understanding and information are the main tools of accomplishment, which is the hallmark of the 400 level. This is the level of Nobel Prize winners, great statesmen, and Supreme Court justices. Einstein, Freud, and many of the other great thinkers of history also calibrate here. The shortcomings of this level involve the failure to clearly distinguish the difference between symbols and what they represent, and confusion between the objective and subjective worlds that limits the understanding of causality. At this level, it's easy to lose sight of the forest for the trees, to become infatuated with concepts and theories and end up missing the essential points. Intellectualizing can become an end in itself. Reason is limited in that it doesn't afford the capacity for the discernment of essence or of the critical point of a complex issue. Reason does not provide a guide to truth. It can give you massive amounts of information and documentation but it cannot resolve the discrepancies in data and conclusions. Reason itself is the major block to reaching higher levels of consciousness. Transcending this level is uncommon in our society. Energy level 500 is love. Love as depicted in the mass media is not what this level is about. What the world generally refers to as love is an intense emotional condition combining physical attraction, possessiveness, control, addiction, eroticism, and novelty. It's usually fragile and fluctuating, waxing and waning with varying conditions. These are all love stories, right? All movies. When frustrated, this emotion often reveals an underlying anger and dependency that it has masked. That love can turn to hate is a common perception, 
But here, an addictive sentimentality is likely what's being spoken about. Rather than love, there probably never was actual love in such a relationship. For hate stems from pride, not love. The 500 level is characterized by the development of a love that is unconditional, unchanging, and permanent. It doesn't fluctuate. Its source isn't dependent on external factors. Loving is a state of being. It's a forgiving, nurturing, and supportive way of relating to the world. Love isn't intellectual and it doesn't proceed from the mind. Love comes from the heart. It has the capacity to lift others and accomplish great feats because of its purity of motive. At this level of development, the capacity to discern essence becomes predominant. The core of an issue becomes the center of focus. As reason is bypassed, there arises the capacity for instantaneous recognition of the totality of a problem, especially regarding time and process. Reason deals only with particulars, whereas love deals with entireties. This ability, often ascribed to intuition, is the capacity for instantaneous understanding without having to deal with it sequentially not having to find the process. This apparently abstract phenomenon is, in fact, quite concrete. It's accompanied by a measurable release of endorphins in the brain. Love takes no position. It rises above separation. It's then possible to be one with another, for there are no longer any barriers. Love is inclusive and expands the sense of self progressively. Love focuses on the goodness of life and in all its expressions and augments that which is positive. It dissolves negativity by recontextualizing it rather than by attacking it. This is the level of true happiness, but although the world is fascinated with the subject of love, and all viable religions calibrate at 500 or over, it's interesting to note that only 0.4% of the world's population ever reaches this level of evolution of calm consciousness. That is an abysmal failure. World. We need to sort out our emotions better. Energy level 540 is joy. As love becomes more and more unconditional, it begins to be experienced as inner joy. This isn't the sudden joy of a pleasurable turn of events. It's a constant accompaniment to all activities. Joy arises from within each moment of existence. Rather than from any other source, 540 is also the level of healing and of spiritually based self-help groups. From level 540 up is the domains of saints and advanced spiritual students and healers. 
a capacity for enormous patience and the persistence of a positive attitude in the face of prolonged adversity is characteristic of this energy field. The hallmark of this state is compassion. People who have attained this level have a notable effect on others. They're capable of a prolonged open visual gaze, which induces a state of love and peace. At the high 500s, the world one sees is illuminated by the exquisite beauty and perfection of creation. Everything happens effortlessly by synchronicity and the world and everything in it is seen to be an expression of love and divinity. Individual will merges into divine will. A presence is felt whose power facilitates phenomenon outside conventional expectations of reality, termed miraculous by the ordinary observer. These phenomena represent the power of the energy field, not of the individual. One's sense of responsibility for others at this level is a different quality from that shown at the lower levels. There there's a desire to use one's state of consciousness for the benefit of life itself rather than for particular individuals. This capacity to love many people simultaneously is accompanied by the discovery that the more that one loves, the more one can love. Near-death experience can have a transformative effect. They've frequently allowed people to experience energy levels between 540 and 600. Having a consistent meditation practice is also very helpful to raise your consciousness and just allowing yourself to feel the joy and beauty and miraculousness of life. Finding gratitude every day, that is a good way to get to this level as well. Energy level 600 is peace. This energy field is associated with the experience designated by such terms as transcendence, self-realization, and God consciousness. It's extremely rare attained by only one in 10 million people. When this state is reached, the distinction between subject and object disappears and there's no specific focal point of perception. Not uncommonly, individuals at this level remove themselves from the world as the state of bliss that ensues precludes ordinary activity. Some become spiritual teachers. Others work honest anonymously for the betterment of mankind. A few become great geniuses in their respective fields and make major contributions to society. These people are saintly and may eventually be officially designated as such. Although at this level, formal religion is commonly transcended to be replaced by the pure spirituality out of which all religion originates. Perception at the level of 600 and above is sometimes reported as occurring in slow motion, suspended in time and space. Nothing is stationary, and all is alive and radiant. Although this world is the same as the one seen by others, 
it has become continuously flowing, evolving in an exquisitely coordinated evolutionary dance where significance and source are overwhelming. This awesome revelation takes place non-rationally so that there's an infinite silence in the mind which has stopped conceptualization. That which is witnessing and that which is witnessed takes on the same identity. The observer dissolves into the landscape and becomes equally the observed. Everything is connected to everything else by a presence whose power is infinite, exquisite, gentle, yet rock solid. Great works of art, music, and architecture that calibrate between 600 and 700 can transport us temporarily to higher levels of consciousness and are universally recognized as inspirational and timeless. Now, Eckhart Tolle says that he does not have any chatter within his mind, so that is something that would be pretty marvelous. But if you pick up a meditation practice and meditate often, it quiets the chatter and you're more able to observe and be non-judgmental about what's going on within and maybe eventually get there one day. Energy level 700 to 1000 is enlightenment. This is the level of the great ones of history who originated the spiritual patterns that countless people have followed throughout the ages. All are associated with divinity with which they're often identified. This is the level of powerful inspiration. These beings set in place attractor energy fields that influence all of mankind. At this level, there is no longer the experience of an individual person, personal self separate from others. Rather, there is an identification of self with consciousness and divinity. The unmanifested is experienced as self beyond mind. This transcendence of the ego also serves by example to teach others how it can eventually be accomplished. This is the peak of the evolution of consciousness in the human realm. Great teachings uplift the masses and raise the level of awareness of all of humanity. To have such vision is called grace and the gift it brings is infinite peace, described as indefinable, beyond words. At this level of realization, the sense of one's existence transcends all time and individuality. There's no longer any identification with the physical body as me. Therefore, its fate is of no concern. The body is seen as merely a tool of consciousness through the intervention of mind. Its prime value, that of communication. The self merges back into the self. Like lowercase s with large case s, the self. This is the level of non-duality or complete oneness. Awareness is equally present everywhere. Now, a few notes. 
I wanted to talk about addictions because this is something that I've dealt with in the past and a lot of people have. I quit smoking, but there's, you know, drinking socially that is something to be overcome. So as for substances, the common belief is that it's the substance itself which the victim has been addicted due to that substance's power to create a high state of euphoria. The nature of addiction through methodology is a different formulation of the process. Alcohol or drugs do not have the power to create a high at all. They calibrated only 100 which is the level of vegetables. The so-called high that the drug or alcohol user experiences, however, can calibrate from 350 to 600. The actual effect of drugs is merely to suppress the lower energy fields, thereby allowing the user to exclusively experience the higher ones. It's as though a filter screened out all the lower tones coming from an orchestra so that all that could be heard were the high notes. The suppression of the low notes doesn't create the high ones, it merely reveals them. The higher frequencies are extremely powerful. Few people experience them often as pure states because they're masked by the lower energy fields of anxiety fear, anger, resentment, and so on. It's very rare to experience love without fear or pure joy, much less ecstasy. The higher states are so powerful that once we've experienced them, they're never forgotten, and therefore they're really sought after, which is why drugs and alcohol are so misused so often by so many people. Now, power versus force. Power arises from meaning. It has to do with motive, and it has to do with principle. Power is always associated with that which supports the significance of life itself. It appeals to that part of human nature that we call noble. In contrast to force, which appeals to that which we call crass, Power appeals to what uplifts, dignifies, and ennobles. Force must always be justified, whereas power requires no justification. Force is associated with the partial, power with the whole. Power gives life and energy. Force takes these away. We notice that power is associated with compassion and makes us feel positively about ourselves. Force is associated with judgment and makes us feel poorly about ourselves. Ultimately, the only thing we can say about a source of power is that it just is. Now we get into diseases. Throughout the ages, it's been a common observation that certain diseases are associated with particular emotions and attitudes. Emotions have psychological consequences. It's very well documented. We've all heard about the connection between heart disease and type A personalities and how suppressed anger results in hypertension and strokes. 
An idea presents itself in consciousness as an attitude that tends to persist over time. This attitude is subsequently associated with an attractor energy field of corresponding power or weakness. The result is a particular perception of the world, and appropriate events are created to trigger the specific emotion. All attitudes, thoughts, and beliefs are also connected with various pathways called meridians of energy to all of the body's organs. So emotions can actually be generated from these organs as well, and they can get trapped there. And there is a chart in my emotion code training that shows where these emotions lie and they're commonly found like the liver can produce anger I think I'd have to check the chart and they can be stored there and they need to be released and Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about how you can get addicted to a certain kind of emotion even if you try and think your way out of it you eventually slide back into anger you eventually slide back into complaining or fear or whatever it is that you deal with. You have to have some pretty powerful methodology to overcome that. In conclusion, attitudes, emotions, and behaviors characteristic of the energy fields below 200 generally make it impossible to have a spiritual experience. The classical chakra system that is recognized by many spiritual disciplines correlates almost exactly with the map of consciousness that has emerged from the, these studies. The level of 600 corresponds to the crown chakra, 500 to the heart, 200 and up to the solar plexus, while the lower attitudes and emotions of spite, envy, resentment, and jealousy are associated with the spleen. The base or root chakra has to do with animal survival and the absorption with what prohibits spiritual progress. Thus, all spiritual teachings advise against worldliness and advise you to avoid the attachment to sex or money. I'm so glad that you were able to hang in there through this entire talk of power versus force. I hope you have a better understanding of your energy. Meditation is powerful for releasing these old patterns. You can do guided meditations that help you embrace your wounded inner child for radical self-acceptance, all kinds of things. And I really hope that you can join me in helping to raise the collective consciousness by reviewing this podcast and how you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and raise your energy, your frequency, and your vibration. Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you in podcast number two. Have a great day.